the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope you are having a great weekend. Just want you to know that you can hear Josh every Monday at 6 p.m. with Bruce Hooley. It's for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer, so tune in. If you happen to miss it, the recording will be at aptuswealth.com. Josh, let's get into the show. When, when someone comes to see you and feels like they've fallen behind on retirement savings, what is a good game plan for them to, to help them get back on track? Well, first know that you're not alone. Uh, we all fall back on things periodically, um, but certainly you know, closing your eyes and hoping for the best is not going to make it any better. And being completely overwhelmed, thinking that you're so far behind the eight ball that there's no point in even trying certainly isn't going to make the scenario any better. So first, I think it's, as with everything, it's try and be proactive. Um, so double check your investment strategy. Make sure you have an investment strategy and a plan before you get going any further to make sure you actually know where you are. So let's identify where you are by checking your current strategy. And that means, are you doing all the things that you thought you were doing and where are your investments actually located? And do you know how much you actually need to retire on? Because oftentimes, Diane, what I hear is, I know I'm so far behind, there's no way I'll get back on track. And I'll ask one question, how much are you actually going to need when you retire? And they go, I don't know. Well, then how do you know that you're not on track? Well, I, I don't know. It just feels like it. Well, let's actually find out if that's the case. So step one, let's do a financial plan and see where you actually need to be versus where you are. And then we can determine what it takes to get you there. And that could be very, very minor. We could be talking about, you know, you need to save an additional $25, $50 a month, um, which, you know, I'm not saying that's nothing, but that's certainly not as insurmountable as it might seem to you today. So step one, evaluate where you are today. Find out where you need to be tomorrow by creating a plan or developing a plan. Obviously, my office can help you do that. Check your investment strategy today. In other words, how much risk are you taking? Where are you invested? Is all your money sitting in a savings account and you have nothing invested? But where do you sit and is, is that congruent with where you're trying to go and what your risk tolerance is? So take inventory, develop a plan, then find out are you on track for the plan. Then... Obviously, there's only two ways to improve your situation, and that's save more, spend less. So we need to figure out a way that we can save more if necessary, of course, to the right spots. And that's not as hard as people necessarily think. If you're anything like me, Diane, I, 
if you put 200 bucks in my pocket, by the end of the week, it's gone, and I don't know where the heck it went. Um, so taking inventory of, the week, of those types of more, things. More like end of day. Just kidding. End of day, right? Which is why sometimes it's, it's almost better not to have cash in your pocket to, to just use cards, but that can careen out of control too. So the point is you can, you can probably trim back very easily more than you think without really impacting your life. So that is pretty easy. The other way, and I, I harp on this a lot, and that's automate, automate, automate. Make sure your savings are occurring automatically without you having to actually physically write a check. Have it just directly drafted out of your account. As you improve your situation, whether that's through paying off debt or getting a raise, et cetera, increase that automated withdrawal. Now, no, I'm not the fun police. I'm not trying to say you get a raise and you don't get to improve your life at all. What I am saying is you should increase it somewhat proportionally, at least as a percentage to whatever your raise was. So if you got a $100 a week raise, maybe save 50 bucks a week of it. You still are enjoying a better life, but you're also improving your situation in the long run. So automate slow improvements, though. Remember, momentum is important, and momentum is something that builds. If you say, today I found out that I need to save an extra $1,000 a month to reach retirement, I'm going to change my entire life and save $1,000 a month, I would say that's akin to, uh, I know that I'm 200 pounds overweight because I drink 50 cans of soda a day, so I'm just going to stop drinking soda. Probably not a sustainable process to, uh, to go down. Let's make minor adjustments over time and increase our momentum. So if we know we need to get to 1,000, let's start with 50. Let's build it up to 100. Let's go to 150. Eventually, we have the ability to get there, but it won't feel as painful along the way. So again, develop a plan, make sure you know where you are, you know where you need to go, save more by taking good inventory and doing good analysis of your situation, and then automate both how much you save towards that goal, but also automate how you increase that savings rate over time as things improve. Do you have a lot of clients that get anxiety? This is all consuming for them, their retirement, like they, they feel like they're in a state of lack all the time. How do you manage that? Absolutely. Yeah, well, I think knowledge is everything. I have people that even if they're saving too much, and I know that sounds like kind of an oxymoron, you know, how can you save too much? People can actually, just as much as they get away from saving, get too into saving. You know, that kind of uh, control attitude where we feel like we have to do as much as we possibly can or we're getting behind the eight ball. There's, there's both sides of that equation. And you have to do a, a thorough analysis and have an appropriate education to know that you're on track. So the only way to achieve anxi- to overcome anxiety is to, ma- is to have the information to know that you don't need it. You'll never, ever, ever get over it unless you know that you don't have to have it. And that's through proper planning. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call. The number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. So we talked about how people can save. Um, Talking about making sure that people have enough money in retirement, how different can enough actually be from one person to the next? So it's I guess it's really important for people to really think about what they're going to spend in retirement to answer this question. Yeah, and this is one that I, I think we've done a great disservice, as, or at least the media, some you know, financial institutions have done a great disservice to people by trying to come up with a number. And I'm not blaming them entirely because we as consumers always want to know kind of the one-size-fits-all answer because it makes it nice and easy. You know, how much do I have to have in retirement? I heard I have to have a million dollars. I get that one a lot. 
I heard I have to have a million dollars, or I heard I have to have $2 million, and it's kind of this arbitrary number. And there's no possible way that that number could be accurate. One, because everybody's different um, in how much money they want to live on, but two, everybody's different in the categories in which they save as well, meaning a million dollars in an IRA is not the same as a million dollars in a Roth IRA. And the reason for that is the way that each investment is taxed. So if you have a million dollars in an IRA and you say, send me all my money, you're going to get a million dollars less the taxes on a million dollars. If you have a million dollars in a Roth IRA, you're going to get a million dollars, no taxes. So obviously these two numbers are significantly different. So first thing we need to figure out is what are your goals? Very much like we just talked about. What does retirement look like for you? How much income do you need in retirement? By finding that out, we can back into the amount of money that we need in order to achieve that. But that only tells part of the story. The other part of the story is how are you invested and what does your tax situation look like? Reverting back to what I just said, is most of your money in traditional 401k IRA or is it in Roth IRAs or is it in checking savings accounts? Do you have real estate investments? Where do you hold these assets? And when we decide we're going to take income off of them, how much is going to go to taxes? And that's obviously going to be correlated to how much money we're drawing out of them. That will affect your tax bracket. But also just the sheer investment will determine how it's taxed. And then from there, we also need to know how are you invested? In other words, if you have all your money sitting in a checking account and it's earning no interest, then you can withdraw a certain amount of money off of that and make it last a really long time. But you can probably withdraw a significantly more amount of money off of that same dollar amount if you're earning 3 4 5%, right? And we have to accommodate for inflation, et cetera. So we have to have that money invested. But how you have it invested determines how much you can withdraw from it. So there's a bunch of different pieces and parts and puzzles that would make it different for absolutely everybody. So I, I, lend, I lend this advice. Have an extreme amount of caution when anybody tells you you need to have X dollars who hasn't found out everything about your situation. And if you haven't f figured out everything about your situation and you either feel you're confident about retirement or you're terrified about retirement, truly you have no idea. And I know that sounds harsh, Diane, but you have no idea. You're crossing your fingers one way or the other. So please get a plan, find the information out, and then you know whether you should be confident or whether or not you need to have some work to do. But either way, you'll know what the path looks like. And usually that uh, dark hallway isn't quite as scary as it looks once you know what's on the other side of it. So let's... Uh, Let's get together and, and give you the answers. And I'm going to give out the number again in just a few minutes before we go to break. But I just wanted to talk about uh, people. I love your suggestion of kind of doing a mock retirement or having your clients imagine that they're retired for a week and kind of documenting what their expenses are or, or what they'd like to do. Yeah, I think that's a it's a good move. You know, you only retire once, or at least typically. I have several clients that have retired many, many times because they're they're not exactly sure that they want to. But you only do it once and you don't really know what that's going to look like. Um, so if you have some time at work, uh, you know, I have two weeks vacation. I've never taken two weeks vacation. You know, take that two weeks vacation. Take some time. See what you would actually do and not take a vacation to, you know, the Caribbean and live in this, you know, kind of fantasy world for two weeks. I mean, really just take two weeks off, live in your house, do the things that you think you'd want to do when you retire. See how it goes. See if you enjoy it. See what your expenses actually look like before you pull the ripcord. That could, end, that could lend to some comfort, 
Um, and if you have more time, even better. Uh, there's several books out there that say you should take, you know, multiple mini retirements before you take your Mac, your real retirement. Maybe there's some, not everybody has that luxury, but maybe there's some value in that. Certainly couldn't hurt. And what about people that are so scared of running out of money that they just turn into a miser after retirement to the point it causes issues with their family, with their spouse? Well, there's ways to overcome that too. So you have to be honest with yourself in how you are. So if you know that you're a miser and you know that that will happen, you could drastically benefit from setting up part of your retirement and an income stream that you can't outlive. Think annuity. Um, and, and that might be counterintuitive. You'd say, well, the person who's a miser won't spend any money. Um, so if, you, if they don't have their money in annuity, but rather they have it in a well-diversified portfolio, they have more money to leave to their kids. Sure, that's true, but obviously at the cost of their own lifestyle. So maybe they would benefit by putting some money in an annuity contract that generates an income stream that they can't outlive for the rest of their life so they don't have to worry about spending it because they know they're never going to run out of it because it will be guaranteed forever. So it's a balancing act and a blending act, and that's why no two financial plans are the same because part of my job is to understand not just the numbers but trying to understand the people and then create the appropriate plan for that individual. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, and the Aptus Blueprint process is the four-step process that you go through with Josh so you can explain your situation and then at the end decide if you will work together and if this is a fit for you. That number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. The recording is at aptuswealth.com just in case you miss it. More with Josh Pick when we come back. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. If you were going to make a pie chart to break down retirement expenses, Josh, how much of the pie is long-term care or long-term care insurance? How much should we be setting aside for that? I think that answer is very similar to what we had just discussed uh, in the previous segment, and that is that it's different for every individual. Uh, But we do know a couple of things that aren't different for every individual, and that is what is the likelihood that each of us is going to actually need to go into a long-term care facility in some capacity. And the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services says that today's 65-year-olds have a 70% chance of needing long-term care at some point. Now, there's good news. Most people around, again, I think it's around 70% again, will need those services for three years or less. So that doesn't really drive that big of a financial strain on most. But the downside is it's the other 20 or 30% 
that are going to need long-term care for five years or longer. And that's what we're really all scared about is that, you know, particularly the Alzheimer's dementia uh, wing of the long-term care facility where folks can be there for a really long time. My grandfather, for example, was uh, suffered from Alzheimer's for the better part of a decade in a long-term care facility. So that can be an extreme financial strain on any family. But how much should we actually put into the bucket for long-term care? Well, I, I think it kind of goes like this, Diane. Step one, make sure that we have enough money to actually retire on and live comfortably. Step two, how much money do we have beyond that that we can allocate to other things? And then step three, where is that money located? Let me give you an example. Everybody has a long-term care plan right now. And that long-term care plan is use all of my own money until it runs out. And then Medicaid will pick up the tab, assuming I'm in a Medicaid, uh, Medicaid friendly facility. And Medicaid is the, is the piece of uh, the federal health program that pays for uh, health uh, benefits for people who don't have the financial wherewithal to cover it themselves. This is not Medicare, but Medicaid. There's another method, and that is through trust work, you can put funds in trusts. And as long as those funds, at least in the state of Ohio, and first let me give a disclaimer, I'm not an attorney, um, but as long as you keep those funds for a certain period of time inside of that trust, the money is no longer yours and is not attachable by long-term care facilities. So in that instance, uh, you can effectively give your money away, thus going to your beneficiaries who have the ability to use it for your care if you choose, but it puts the ball back into your court and now your benefits for that long-term care facility are being paid by the federal program Medicaid. So one would conclude that the most logical step is why don't I just put all of my money into trust and then I don't have to pay for it and I can leave my money to my kids. It's not that simple because there's only certain asset types that you can put, and I don't want to dive too deep in the weeds here, but there's only certain asset types that you can put into a trust without huge tax consequences. So in those instances, which is quite frankly where most people fall, because most people that I encounter have most of their money in retirement accounts like IRAs, 401ks, et cetera, it's not particularly easy to get those funds into trusts without huge tax consequences. So the logic is, do I buy a long-term care policy? And there's a bunch of different ways to skin that cat. There's many different types of long-term care policies. There's some that I believe are better than others. And if we have time, I'll, I'll talk about which ones those are. But you should fund that long-term care policy to your ability, not necessarily to an amount that makes sense. And the reason I say that in that way is because we could all cover our long-term care benefit in a you know, cover it 100%. But the cost would be sometimes to the detriment of our just day-to-day -day life prior to that time. So it's, it's a balancing act, Diane. If we're all worth $20 million, then we could obviously solve this problem and it'd be fine. To, for me to say, make sure you put 10 to 15% of your money into a long-term care policy to make sure you have that, that element of your life covered, well, th that wouldn't be true for everybody because some people can't afford that 10 or 15% or they wouldn't be able to pay their, their, their mortgage and their rent every day up until that point. So it's an individual situation. It's an individual answer. But you got to make sure you at least know what the picture looks like. Again, it's the uh, don't be scared don't be confident until you know whether you should be one way or the other, and that's only done through planning. So to find out those answers, give Josh a call. The number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300.
800-529-0000. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Again, schedule your own planning session and learn new strategies to manage risk. The number 614-364-7300. Josh, speaking of long-term policies, let's go through some of the different types for the listeners. Yeah, there's really two predominant long-term care policies that are available on the market. Uh, One is what we call traditional long-term care policies. And for all intents and purposes, think about your auto insurance. You are renting insurance. As long as you pay for it, you have it. But the cost can go up periodically. Um, Things can change. So uh, those policies in general, the way that they work is they will pay a per-day benefit. Uh, You pay an annual cost for that. Uh, Again, that annual cost can change. And if you don't use the long-term care, which there's a 50-50 shot approximately, let's just say, that you're not going to use it at all, then you just lost all those premium payments. I'm sure the insurance company is very happy, but I'm sure you're not happy about paying the tens of thousands of dollars that you did along the way and never used. And to give you kind of an idea of how big those increases can be, over the last 20 years, I've seen uh, at least two or three times long-term care policy premiums go up by at least 30%. So if you think about it, if you're paying $1,000 a year for a long-term care policy, which I assure you you're not, you're paying more than that, uh, your policy premium went up to 1300 to then 1600 to then potentially 2000 So your policy premium has doubled over the last 20 years. And a lot of times when people go down that path, what I see, unless they're pretty wealthy, is by the time they actually reach an age where there's a potential of them using the policy, it has become so expensive that they don't end up keeping the policy and they get rid of it. So if you haven't already kind of caught on, I'm not a huge fan of those policies because they're not fixed. And when we reach retirement, the more expenses we can fix, the better. Option number two is widely called a hybrid policy. It's called a hybrid policy because it's kind of part life insurance, part long-term care. But really, it's for long-term care with one added benefit. And that is it has a life insurance benefit so that if you don't use the long-term care benefit, your beneficiaries, in fact, get something for you paying in all these premiums. So let's keep this as simple as possible. I'm not discussing any particular policy, but on average, let's think about putting in $100,000 into a long-term care uh, hybrid policy. That $100,000 is yours forever in the event that you pass away. The death benefit is, let's just use a uh, kind of a random number, but let's say $150,000. So not only did your beneficiaries get the 100 that you invested back, but they got more than that. And that's a life insurance benefit, so it's tax-free. But in the event that you go into a long-term care facility, you get $300,000 worth of long-term care benefit. So you've effectively tripled your money in the event of long-term care. The reason I like these is because I have a lot of clients that hold a lot of money in cash. And they say, I like to have this cash because in the event that I need it, it's there. It's a good security blanket. However, the way that I've lived my life, I've had this cash in the savings account for a really, really long time and I've never used it. And because interest rates are so low, your savings account is effectively paying nothing. So this is a great way to take money from one pocket, put it into the other pocket. And the only difference between the two pockets is one pocket pays no interest and the other pocket has a giant death benefit attached to it. It has a even larger long-term care benefit attached to it. And then it has something called a liquidity rider attached to it, which means if you ever need the money back, you can get it. So you're getting benefits for what we call in my business opportunity costs. And opportunity cost means the only thing it's costing you is the interest you would have earned had you invested it somewhere else. 
And because you have resigned yourself to the fact that this was going to stay in a checking account or savings account anyway, what's your real opportunity cost today? It's basically nothing. Interest is is almost negligent today. So uh, I think it's a great option for people who can afford it, particularly those who keep a large cash position. But the huge benefit is that your premiums can never go up and you can usually get, depending upon which one you select, all or this majority of your money back should you choose to change your mind. Josh, let's talk about required minimum distributions. They were waived uh, during 2020 as part of the CARES Act. What do people need to know this year with RMDs returning? Well, the good news is, you know, the IRS kind of kicked the can a little bit. So we, we used to have to take minimum required distributions at 70 and a half. Now it's 72. So you didn't have to take one in 2020. You would have had to take one at 70 and a half. Now you have all the way until 72. So at 72, you're going to be forced to, to take a withdrawal to your IRA, qualified plan, uh, 401k, et cetera. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you should wait that long. There's other reasons why you may want to take money out of those investments before you're forced. One of those reasons would be to do a Roth IRA conversion, effectively cleansing those dollars of taxes forever. Now, there's a lot of uh, math to be done to see if it makes sense for you based upon your particular tax situation, investment objectives, et cetera. But... Roth IRAs are certainly better tax-advantaged investments than traditional IRAs if you're capable of getting money into those where it makes sense. It can be a huge advantage to you in the long run. The other thing that you could do, or at least that you should be aware of, is if you're currently working, you don't have to take minimum required distributions out of your company-sponsored plan. So if you're working somewhere and you're putting money into your 401k, you have to take money out of your IRAs that are outside of that, but you do not have to take minimum required distributions at 72 if you're working for that company out of that company's 401k. So that can kind of kick the can a little while longer. Um, the other thing that's kind of a, a, a little known fact is if RMDs are concerning you, this is certainly a first world problem, but you don't want to take those RMDs or you certainly don't want to, you want to take the, the least amount that you possibly can because it's going to negatively affect your your tax situation. And again, RMDs is the government forcing you to take money. So you might not want it. If you have a spouse that's 10 years younger than you, there is a different calculation uh, rather than just using your own age. It blends your two ages together. So that, that can actually reduce, and I know not everybody fits into the scenario, but if you do, that can reduce the amount of money that you have to take out of your uh, qualified plans. And then lastly, and I'm just trying to cover kind of the uh, oddball kind of things you can do to avoid RMDs, there's something called a qualified longevity annuity contract, um, or you'll hear it oftentimes called uh, CLAC, which is a Q-U-L-A-C. You have the ability to invest in one of these annuity products and kick the can on your RMDs until you actually take the money. And what a qualified longevity annuity contract is designed to do is protect against just that longevity. So effectively what you're doing is saying, I'm not going to take any money out of this annuity contract until I'm 85 years old or until I'm 80 years old, which makes them pretty inexpensive to purchase, by the way. But in the event that I'm still alive when I'm 85 or 90, this annuity contract will turn on and pay for the rest of my life, thus covering that longevity risk, which is a huge risk in retirement planning. Obviously a great problem to have, live a long time, healthy life. But if you get one of these, you do not have to take minimum required distributions out of the investment that you put into that or the amount of money that you put into that particular investment. So a few ways that you can kind of 
use your RMDs or avoid the maximum amount of RMDs that you have to take. More when we come back with Josh. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Don't forget, you can hear Josh with Bruce Hooley for Money Mondays every Monday evening at 6 on 98.9 The Answer. We'll be back with more of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show in a moment. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, before the break, you were talking a little bit about rolling uh, 401ks over to, or IRAs. What are the advantages to rolling a 401k over to an IRA? And when would someone, when's the best time for someone to do that? Well, with all investments, Diane, there's advantages and disadvantages. So let's go over all of them. The advantages are uh, when you're in a 401k, uh, well, let's go over the disadvantages. When you're in a 401k, you are limited to the investment choices that you have inside of that 401k. So should you choose to want to invest in something else, like let's say, for example, you really want to own Amazon stock, you don't have the option more than likely inside of your company-sponsored 401k to purchase just Amazon. It's probably a collection of mutual funds uh, or uh, what we call uh, lifestyle funds that say, you know, if I'm going to retire in 2050, I buy the 2050 fund. So you're limited in scope to what you can invest in. When you get outside of a 401k, you have the ability to invest in whatever you want. So feel free to go buy that Amazon stock or whatever you should choose to purchase. The downside to leaving your 401k is typically the expenses are higher outside of a 401k than they are in. So the huge advantage of 401ks is expenses. So really the only two advantages inside of a 401k is expenses, ease of contribution, And then at least you know, so I guess there's three, at least you know that the investments that you have inside of that have gone through some sort of due diligence process and you know that they're more than likely relatively good compared to their peers. Uh, When you leave that 401k, if you go on your own, it's up to you to choose. Are these investments good or bad? Are the expense ratios good or bad, et cetera? Now, typically, uh, you would look to somebody like me to determine whether or not that's a good choice. And then, you know, if you get with somebody who's a fiduciary, they can explain the logic behind both sides and whether or not it makes sense to you. Now, there's been some legislation here as of late, Diane, that they've come, uh, the, the Department of Labor has come through that's kind of expanding upon what President Trump had already started. And essentially what they're trying to do is say, we want to regulate people who are just unscrupulously moving folks out of their 401ks when they're in great position Um, not really doing a whole heck of a lot for them and increasing their fees so that they can make a commission. And this isn't just investment advisors. This is companies. So you look at companies that when you retire, say, hey, roll your 401k out of this plan into our IRA platform. That's the best thing to do. When in reality, the companies didn't like that they were getting paid a very low fee and they prefer to have you on their retail platform making a higher fee. So 
this really doesn't trouble me at all, Diane. We've been held to a high fiduciary standard from the beginning. We have to do what's in your best interest to begin with. But it is something to take into account that it does not always make sense to leave your 401k, but it also does not always make sense to stay inside of your 401k. You need to be armed with the information to make the decision. And in my opinion, the only way you can do that is through consulting a fiduciary who can walk you through the process. Um, don't just hop on the internet and start Googling stuff uh, because there's going to be folks on both sides of the, or companies on both sides of the table trying to convince you of one way versus the other. When in reality, you need to know both sides of the equation and make the decision yourself. And if people are still employed and still contributing to their 401k, you can also help them look at it to see if, if the company or whoever's in charge of that 401k is actually doing the best thing for employees. Yeah, of course. And, and also, if they're not, uh, most 401ks, uh, I don't know what percentage, but I would say the vast majority of 401ks allow you, if you're at a certain age, typically 59 and a half, to do what's called an in-service rollover or an in-service distribution. That allows you to take money that you have currently in your 401k that you're still contributing to, you're still working for the company, but you're not happy with the selections that they have or you'd like to diversify to some capacity. You can take money out of your 401k, roll it over to an IRA, it's a non-taxable event, and invest it any way you should choose. That does not mean that you have to stop contributing to your existing IRA. It does not mean that you lose out on the match or the, the, your existing 401k, excuse me. It does not mean that you lose out on the match of your 401k. So it's, it's literally just that, diversifying, expanding your options. Nothing changes. That's almost always available on 401ks once you reach 59 and a half. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session and learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Wanted to dig a little bit deeper into annuities. I know earlier in the show, Josh, you were talking about them. But let's talk about the different roles annuities can have in a retirement plan and just go into a further explanation of them. Well, first, there's there's a lot of different types of annuities. So I know annuities in some circles have a great name and other circles have a bad name. And I think the reason for that is, is really misinformation because there's so many different types of annuities. And then within those categories of annuities, there's literally hundreds, if not thousands of companies that are making those available to market and they widely vary. But at the end of the day, Diane, there's only one product around that will provide you with a guaranteed income stream that you cannot outlive. And that's an annuity, period. A bond can't do it. A stock can't do it. Um, While both of those investment vehicles may do it, they cannot guarantee that they're going to do it. Um, Your savings account, your checking account, CDs, nothing can provide a lifetime income stream that you cannot outlive other than an annuity, or many people are familiar with the concept of a pension, or a pension, which in turn, is essentially an annuity contract. So why would you want to buy an annuity? You would want to buy an annuity for safety and for income that you can outlive in almost every instance. Now, that does not mean that you necessarily buy one purely for the income you can outlive. It could be for the safety aspect. But usually, those are the two reasons. Now, there are four types of annuities, so it's not always the reason. The first type of annuity is an immediate annuity. And that simply is a, a bet with you and the insurance company that you're going to live longer than they, you th- than they think you are. So you give them a lump sum of money and they return a periodic payment to you, like a paycheck, for the remainder of your life or period of time, whatever you should select. I don't suggest that that's a good investment today because they are largely based upon interest rates. 
and interest rates are the lowest they've ever been in the history of the United States. So probably not the best time to do that. But that's all they are. Fixed annuities and fixed indexed annuities uh, offer you either a guaranteed interest rate for a period of time or some upside potential in the stock market with no downside risk. And then you have the ability to add some riders to those where you could turn on an income stream for the rest of your life that you cannot outlive. And then the last one, and I think the one that usually generates most of the bad press for annuities, is something called a variable annuity. And a variable annuity is essentially um, a basket of mutual funds. They call them sub-accounts, but they're mutual funds, that is wrapped in insurance. And that insurance comes with a cost. So oftentimes you'll hear the negative press on annuities as they're extremely expensive. And when it comes to variable annuities, quite frankly, that's true. You have a mutual fund that you could probably buy uh, outside of the annuity contract that's wrapped inside of an insurance product that does provide some benefits, but it's a matter of whether or not those benefits suit your needs. And if they don't, and you were sold that product, then I would agree that you were uh, sold that product um, not correctly and that you were paying fees that you don't need to, probably for the benefit of an agent that got paid a commission. So that's probably where that bad press comes from. But annuities provide tax deferral. Annuities provide lifetime income you cannot live. Annuities provide upside potential in the market with no downside risk, depending upon which one you purchase. Um, obviously, there's a price for that. But if you want stability and you want to compare things like CDs and bonds, I'd like to get a you know, 3 4 5% rate of return with no downside risk. Well, then annuities is about the only place in today's market that you're going to get that. So don't turn your nose up to annuities. They serve a purpose. You just got to know how to navigate the oftentimes murky waters of the insurance world in order to get the one that suits you best, that has what I would consider to be the deck stacked in your favor rather than in the favor of the agent and the insurance company. This is overwhelming for an individual to do. So this is definitely something you as a fiduciary can help us figure out because my eyes will go crossed, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, one of the reasons why, quite frankly, annuities get a bad name is just that it is incredibly confusing. I would argue that life insurance is even more confusing than annuities. But when it comes to the insurance world, it is all about the fine print. And you need an advocate in your corner. You need, to, you need somebody that can help you navigate those waters. Now, oftentimes people say, well, it's so complicated, I don't even want to look at it. And sure, that's an option. But in today's low interest rate environment, I think by turning that blind eye and saying it's not worth my hassle, you might be uh, running away from something that is the perfect solution to the problem that we're facing today when it comes to retirement planning. Does that mean everybody should put all their money in annuities? Of course not. But I think that you should take a good, long, hard look at it with somebody who actually understands how these things work and it can, can explain them to you in a logical fashion because they might be the missing link or that link or that that third leg on the stool that we always talk about for your particular uh, retirement plan. And what's the simplified if uh, after listening to the show today, I'm going to explain this to my friend, encourage them to take a look at this. What is my elevator pitch? How can we explain this really succinctly and simple so that I can take the information and explain it to someone else? Sure, sure. In financial planning, what we're always trying to achieve is some safe money and some market money. And with the market money, we're trying to get in that, you know, call it 7 to 9% rate of return category. And with our safe money, we're trying to get somewhere in that 3 to 6 range. And we used to be able to get that with bonds. But interest rates are so low, it's not achievable. You can get in that range, in that 3 to 5 range with indexed annuities. The benefit of indexed annuities is you can do that 
with a guarantee, which is something you cannot do in the bond market. So I would view indexed annuities as a strong bond alternative that has the added benefit of being able to con- be converted into a lifetime income stream that you can't outlive. Josh, I want you to go take us through the Aptus Blueprint process when a person calls your office. Yeah, you know, Diane, we've talked a lot about today, you know, what, how much money should I have or uh, how much should I dedicate to long-term care? And I've said many, many times that it's individual for your situation. And that's really what the blueprint process is about. Uh, Step one, we want to find out everything about you. We call it the discovery meeting. We're going to find out what you've been saving uh, so far, what assets and resources you have, what goals you are, even kind of the crazy ideas that you might have. And then with that information, we will analyze where you are today and where you say you want to go. And then in meeting two, we will show you the outcome of that analysis. How How much risk are you taking? Are you going to get from point A to point B like you think, doing what you're currently doing? And then we will, of course, uh, or at least usually, hopefully not, uncover some short uh, shortfalls or maybe some some potholes in the road for you uh, between here and retirement. And in meeting three, we'll show you how to fill those potholes. We call it the Adaptus Blueprint, and it's just that. It's a blueprint that you can act upon to change your future. How do we solve all of these risk problems and these interest rate problems and long-term care problems, et cetera? And then not until meeting four, which is our implementation meeting, will we decide whether or not this is a mutually beneficial relationship for us to carry forward. So I can promise you that through the process, uh, whether you become a client or not, you will certainly learn a lot. And the number to call to get that process started is 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. No pressure, just information to see if this is something for you. When we come back, we'll talk about estate planning. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614 364 7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And just want to remind you that you can get more every Monday at 6 p.m. for Money Mondays as Josh joins Bruce Hooley on 98.9 The Answer every Monday at 6 p.m. Josh, how do you help retirees have a conversation with their children about estate plans, and, and why is that so important? Well, if, if we've been talking about the personalization of financial planning and how everybody's situation is different, nothing exemplifies that more than when it comes to estate planning. Obviously, everybody uh, knows their family uh, better than I do, um, but it's my job to tell them what their choices are in children's involvement, how to pass money to kids or to charities or whatever their desires are. The most efficient way to do that, uh, many times uh, with the assistance of an attorney, but it's my goal to make sure that people are aware of what those hurdles are and what the most efficient way is to pass it to whomever they want to leave it to. 
that can become quite challenging because every family is so different, meaning you may have uh, several children and they're not all created equal and maybe some of them you want to keep in the loop, others maybe not. But ultimately, no financial plan can be so perfect that we spend our last dollar on our last day. Uh, our goal is to make sure that we don't spend our last dollar three weeks before our last day. Uh, so typically, there is something left uh, to be passed on to others. And the challenge is, how do we pass that on to others so that it bypasses probate, so we avoid the cost there and the time delay for anybody who's gone through that process, particularly in the land of COVID, it can be a rather timely and costly one. So we want to make sure that whatever we have left goes to our beneficiaries tax efficiently, time efficiently, and according to our wishes in the ways that it gets there. Uh, that can be a challenge. Uh, oftentimes, that could include people involving their kids in meetings that we have, where I'm given instruction, you know, carte blanche, tell them everything that, that you would normally tell me, or let's talk about the process and the way that it would play out, but I don't want actual numbers included. Um, or it could be, uh, I'm going to give my child your number. I'd like you to introduce yourself. I want them to know nothing about my scenario, but you're kind of my, in case of emergency, break glass call. Uh, you know everything about my financial situation in the event that something happens to me. I want my kids to call you, and then you walk them through the process of what my wishes were. So it can, it can very much widely range. The only involvement that I have is, what do you want me to do? And make sure that I ask the appropriate questions that they realize, and by they I mean the client, not necessarily their kids, but they realize the importance in having a plan. Because, Diane, I, I don't know, have you ever been involved in, in an estate, uh, estate uh, settlement type process where you have to go through all of this? No, not at all. I'm going to be. Well, <laughs> well hopefully not soon. But it's a very overwhelming process in a lot of regards. One in that it can turn into a, a very quickly turn into what you perceive as kind of a legal process. And two, it usually happens at a time when you really don't want to be bothered with things like money. You're grieving over the death of a a family member in some capacity. So it's not something that you want to try and stumble through when the time comes. The objective of estate planning is to make it as easy as possible on whoever is there when you're gone. So I will very much be proactive in bringing up, this is how we're going to handle it. And I'll give you kind of some very easy um, things that we talk about all the time that may kind of raise some eyebrows of some people that are listening. Now, obviously, everybody knows about beneficiaries. And in any retirement account, uh, you know, 401k, IRA, et cetera, even your savings account, your checking account, even your house, you can sell those up with beneficiaries. Now they're called different things, whether in the insurance world, it's called a beneficiary or on your, um, uh, your checking account, it's called uh, a payable or transfer on death uh, type beneficiary. But at the end of the day, you can add somebody to all those accounts. Well, when you add a beneficiary, you have a couple of choices. Let's say you have two kids. And you want to leave 50-50 to each child. Well, God forbid, in the event that one of your children predeceases you, would you like their 50% to go to their children if they have any? Or would you like their 50% to go to your other child, effectively leaving out the other child that you have's children if they have any? How would you like that process to go? That's usually that level of planning is something that not too many people have thought of. They've decided that if something happens to me, I want my money to go to the two kids, but they haven't thought about what if something happens to one of my children pre-me, which obviously me being a parent would, is 
terrifying, but nonetheless, it can and sometimes does happen. So it's my job to walk people through some of that process or some of those possibilities that they might not have thought of and make sure that we have our ducks in a row so it goes the way that we want to rather than you know it, it, it uh, not being a benefit to our beneficiaries, but maybe causing more turmoil, which I've also seen. You know, why, why did my parents do this? This isn't what they wanted to do. This isn't what we talked about, but they filled out the paperwork wrong and there's no changing that paperwork once it's submitted. Um, you know, once the person has passed, you can't go back and say, ah, that's not really what my mom said she wanted on her 401k. She told us this, that beneficiary supersedes whatever it is she told you and or her will. The beneficiary supersedes all of it. So we got to make sure we have the beneficiaries right. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, from a 30,000-foot view, what are some elements of today's retirement income planning options that could, that could use some tinkering or maybe even a complete overhaul? Well, the landscape has certainly changed over the last 25 years, and not always for the better. Uh, I understand the logic and the reasons for why it's happening, but let's talk about you know, some of those things. If we rewind the clock and we go back to 1990, you know, early 1990s, about 90% of the people in the United States had a pension at their workplace. Fast forward to today, and less than 10% of people in those same workplaces have a pension. Now, I understand why employers have done that. They've done it because interest rates are incredibly low, people are living longer, the financial strain of maintaining a pension and the legal liability of making sure that you can continue to pay those uh, you know, retirees is overwhelming and it's, it's actually taken down some companies, to be quite honest. So I understand the logic and why that's occurring. But I don't think the transition uh, of disciplined saving, where this was forced discipline, the discipline of saving has caught up quickly with the removal of the pension, meaning that people's safe haven of Social Security and pension should be replaced by Social Security and 401k, but it hasn't quite gone that way. So that needs to be tinkered with in some capacity. The right solution, I can't say that I know. I, I could come up with some possibilities, but I think it needs to be seriously looked at as to what is an alternative um, to that. But that brings me to the next point, and that is Social Security. For as long as, you know, 1935 and on, people have relied upon Social Security to be one of those legs on the stool for retirement. We had Social Security, a pension, and then any ancillary savings that we've had. Well, the pensions, like I just said, are gone. So now we have the ancillary saving. We call that a 401k plus our other stuff, our savings account, et cetera. But the pension is gone, and now we're left with just our savings and Social Security. And it certainly seems like people's confidence in Social Security is waning. So in order for Social Security to be economically viable in the long run, it has to be overhauled to some capacity. I know this is not popular thought, and I don't know the correct solution. We certainly can't get rid of it. That would be uh, economically uh, disastrous. So that's not what I'm advocating, but it certainly needs to be changed to some capacity or we're going to run into some serious problems. We already know that the trust fund that, that accommodates about 25% of all Social Security payments is, in fact, going to run out of money somewhere after 2030. So it needs to be addressed. Um, the other thing that I think is really going to be a challenge, um, and we addressed one way to, to handle this to some capacity, is interest rates. Uh, never before 
or at least not in recent times, have retirees had to deal with the fact that interest rates are next to nothing. We always had the ability to offset the risk of the stock market with some sort of guaranteed money that provided us a return. Well, now that really doesn't exist. So for people who are retiring today, you know, if you don't believe me, call your bank and say you want a CD for the next one year, two year, three years and see what kind of rates they come back with. And I'm sure you're going to walk away with your head down, just shaking your head going, how is that even possible? Rates are incredibly low. That's a challenge that retirees are going to have to face. And my industry and or the government uh, needs to figure out a way to come up with alternatives that provide client solutions. One of those alternatives has been around for a really, really long period of time, but it wasn't nearly as enticing in other interest rate environments, but that's the fixed indexed annuity. It is becoming incredibly appropriate for longevity and lowering interest rates. And then lastly, how we handle long-term care. I know this isn't a necessarily a retirement income conversation, but uh, it is certainly a conversation that affects retirees. We know the stats. We talked about them earlier today. There's a significant possibility, greater than 50% chance, that we're all going to end up in a long-term care facility for some period of time. Those long-term care facilities are incredibly expensive. Currently, if you don't have any money, Medicaid picks up the tab, but Medicaid is incredibly underfunded. So we have to come up with some solution to that problem. I don't know what that solution is either, but these are four significant problems that are facing everyone today who is nearing or in retirement that you either have to compensate for the lack of federal program on your own vis-a-vis uh, saving appropriate financial planning, et cetera, uh, or you're going to be left to just hoping that the powers that be in Washington come up with a solution that's viable. And I don't believe that's going to be the case. I think uh, there's going to be a lot of Band-Aids like the stimulus plans that we've seen here as of late, not solutions, but Band-Aids. So you have to take uh, these issues in your own hands and create your own solution. And the only way that you can do that is through proper planning, discipline, savings, et cetera which is where my office comes into play. Uh, our job is to come up with a plan that addresses all of these issues in the most efficient way that we possibly can so that you can continue to spend uh, while you're saving and have a viable life while you're saving rather than just you know, throwing a bunch of mud against the wall and hoping that you've had these problems solved. So uh, with that, you know, four big problems I think need addressed. Call my office. We'll help you as much as we can. And Josh's office is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. And just a reminder, every Monday at 6 p.m., you can join Josh as he talks to Bruce Hooley for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We will be here next week as well, and we will talk to you again for another edition of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer.
Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company. 